Welcome back, everybody. We are around with Stephen Cole coming to you once again, pre-recorded from my Mid-City Bar 12-mile limit. With me, as always, is the Steve half of that. Why don't you uh, say hello and introduce our guest today, Steve? Steve, you mounted back with a great episode of Around with Stephen Cole. It's good to be here up in 12-mile limit. Um, the uh, the winter of our bar tending in New Orleans has arrived. Uh, that's my Game of Thrones reference. I've actually never seen Game of Thrones, but uh, I'm familiar with that meme, I guess. Uh, that premiere was on Sunday. Anyways, I'm talking about Tales of the Cocktail here. Tales of the Cocktail has arrived. Uh, many of the bars in the city have been uh, feverishly planning and uh, getting ready for this event. It's a huge uh, impact for many of us. Um, not so much here at 12 Mile Limit. Well, historically, no. We're a little bit outside of the fray. So we get an uptick in business overall for the week, but it's not like what we would get if we were a French Quarter bar. You know, right. yeah. I'm sure that a lot the old Absinthe House, there is a place I can think of that I'm sure their volume is 1,500 times over an average yeah. week. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Whereas we're like we're like fifty percent over, maybe. Uh, it's just good. It's good for business. We we used to do more events here. We we've, we've done spirited dinners here. Uh, we've had dynamic duos here in the past. And I haven't I, I haven't sought any out like I used to. Um, but I mean I I'll be at a lot of events this week. It's um, but overall business is up and without having to put any uh. As much skin in the game is actually it's good. It's good for the city. I'll put it that way. Right on. Cool. Well, one of my favorite things about Tales of the Cocktail is uh, through bartending, uh, you know, me and Cole and many of us get the opportunities to travel around and meet just some fantastic people that we have so much in common with. Um, it becomes more and more rare to have those chances to see those people, and we are very much uh, grateful for the fact that we get to have one of our favorite people here on the show today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Hi, uh, it's Rocky A. Um, I am. Really, really glad to be here. I mean, it's always it's always fantastic to be in New Orleans, and you know, Tales is always a fun time. Um, this is my eleventh Tales. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Louise, I feel uh, like it's my tenth Tales, and I live here. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's if that. Yeah, I guess I've been here for all the Tales of the Cocktails, but it did take me a while to get involved. Uh, when I was starting off uh, doing craft cocktail bartending, it was. Um, it seemed like something hard to get into, Tales of the Cocktail, which was completely like in my head because it's an open event. But there was some sort of like barrier entry in my mind. It's just like, how do I get involved with this thing? And now I realize like they need volunteers for everything. So <laughs> yes, it's, yeah. it's not hard to get involved with Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah, no, they make it very accessible. Yeah, right on, Rocky. Well, why don't we go ahead and start off? Um, many of the listeners right now uh, who who are in the bartending community are probably familiar with who you are through different mm-hmm. events and your interactions with them. Um, but for all of our listeners who are not familiar with who you are, why don't we go ahead and start off with t- talking about who Rocky Ye is and what do you do for a living? So uh, I am based in Seattle. Uh, I work for Maison Ferrand. Uh, so it's Pierre Ferrand Cognac, Citadel Gin, Plantation Rums, and Matilde Coors. Uh, and I am Guardian de Chai, which r- loosely translates to uh, Guardian of the Cellars. Uh, the obvious you know, take there is like, who's supposed to keep that safe from me? <laughs> um, Does that posi- it sounds like a position that should come with a staff when you, I, you know, I would, <laughs> guardian of the cellar. Tomb. <laughs> yes, I, I, I would. I would love to have like some sort of scepter or, or mace or something like that. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to get over that image. That's going to be in my mind. <laughs> Rocky with like a plantation pineapple like mace, just like who are you? Get out of the cellar. <laughs> right or on. you know, crack that barrel. Cool. <laughs> so where are you based out of, Rocky? Uh, I'm based in Seattle. Okay. Uh, so you know, it's basically as far from everything as you can get and still be in the continental United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally know why professional athletes kind of like have a harder time coming to Seattle because wow, that's a lot of extra air miles. Yeah. <laughs> Just racking it up though. Definitely. Oh, so. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, you know, I mean, by the time you hit June, you're like, okay, well I'm done accruing status for the year. Cool. Cool. Well, um, so you've definitely come down for tales of the cocktail, Rocky. Um, before tales of the cocktail, had you ever visited new Orleans? Uh, no, um, this is actually my first exposure to new Orleans. Like new Orleans had always been, very much on my on my list of places I absolutely wanted to come to mm-hmm. and, and and visit and um but Tales gave me my first opportunity and you know, I love New Orleans and I get I I make a point to come here not during Tales mm. and not during Mardi Gras or Jazz Fest or anything like that. Like 
which I, I, I realize is starting to get harder and harder. I read somewhere the other day <laughs> that there is literally some sort of like major festival every weekend or week now in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're starting to double up. It's really unsustainable. Yeah. No, it really is. And, and they're, they're all get insane amounts of people that go to these festivals, right. too. They, the, I was talking to somebody who was involved with the Fried Chicken Festival, which debuted for the first time this past year. Right. I was and, really happy to hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, appara- I mean, but apparently they, like, they, they worked with the assumption that they were going to get 15,000 people and they got like 25,000 people. Yeah. And wow. just for Lafayette Square, which is like a city block, it's right. not a, the space to sustain that kind of crowd. No. It's- so it's like the interest is. Like you'd think that we'd be at a saturation point with festing in mm-hmm. New Orleans, but the interest level still outseats right, but it's, the you know, capacity. It's fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, sure. Is it, is, <laughs> they should have expected it. <laughs> isn't that the same week as like Boudin Fest? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. a different week. But I've, I've got to throw out the point there, and I love the fact that there was a fried chicken festival. Um, we've expressed our love for Popeyes on at least one occasion on this show. Yeah, before. if the I mean, fried it's... chicken festival were each just a different Popeyes item <laughs> for like twenty cents, <laughs> that'd be pretty great. If it was a, be... I guess I just want a Popeyes but, festival. Really, fried chicken outside in New Orleans in like <laughs> August, early September, like late August, early September, like that is that is an inter. I mean, I know that's the gap in the time and when we need to have like events to like draw people to town. But is is the fried chicken as enjoyable in like you know a hundred degrees? I heard somewhere anthropologically that cultures that have high amounts of spicy things in their diets ha- are typically in tropical climates. And part of that is to precipitate more perspiration because that might have a cooling effect. I have no idea if that's actually a thing it, or no, not. That's it, just a thing I, I, I heard think, somewhere. I think uh, <laughs> I think definitely read the same thing, and I think it's true. Um, and you know what? Screw it. Fried chicken. I don't care how hot <laughs> it is. Is there a bad time? Yeah. But I feel like eating fried chicken outside when it's hot is, seems like the time. I don't know. I also if, drink hot coffee. If when I have to think about fried chicken outside, it's on a it's on the parade line during Mardi Gras. That is my fried chicken outside time. Like a big bucket of Popeye's chicken during Mardi Gras, watching the parades go by. That is that is my outside fried mm-hmm. chicken time. Like that's weather. That's the weather for me. But you know, to each his own, I guess. Right. So, Rocky, let's circle back around. So, uh, Tales of the Cocktail, the first time you came 11 years ago or so, um, that was your first experience with New Orleans. Let's, let's think back to Rocky 11 years ago, coming to Tales of the Cocktail. What brought you to Tales of the Cocktail, and what were your experiences like that first time in New Orleans? So, when I first started coming to Tales of the Cocktail, I wasn't even in the industry yet. Um, I was just like, hey... I like cocktails and I like spirits. And what do you mean? There's this giant party in New Orleans. Like, yes, of course I'm going to go to that. And the nice part was like back then tails wasn't at, at the size that it is now, you know, and it was, I, I feel like back then it was easier for consumers to be able to get to more events, to be able to, you know, get in on, on more seminars. Um, like it didn't require quite the amount of like planning and preparation that it does now. Mm-hmm. Like now I feel like if you're a consumer, like you've got to be really on your game to make yeah. sure that you're getting to the things that you want to get to. Right. I feel like back then too, you could kind of meet everybody who was attending the festival. Like you would <laughs> yes. shake everybody's hand, and like yeah. now it's an impossibility. I oh don't no, think it's, mathematically, it's, you could it's actually utterly do that. impossible now. Like, yeah. you know, there there are definitely people who go, "Okay, I know I saw you across the lobby at the Monteleone, and by the way, that's <laughs> that was the only interaction yeah. I'm going to have with you all." I week. saw yeah. you at Tails. Yeah, <laughs> I think you say that. A lot of people kind of talk. When I hear people speak negatively of Tales, one of the things that they mention is that it's more consumer-focused than some of the other industry events with which it gets kind of unfairly compared because it's a completely different kind of event than a lot of the other uh, things that purport to be educational for the uh, for consumers or for industry people or for a combination of the two. Um, the, the thing that people often say that is this consumer-forward I feel like we wouldn't have Rocky in this industry if Tales wasn't consumer forward, at least to a certain extent. The fact that it is accessible for people who are enthusiasts can really transform those people's lives and give them an entree into the industry. Oh, absolutely. Or, or at least it was the case 11 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I mean, I'm sure that, still the case now on, on some level. I, I think, I think it still is. I mean, you know, there's definitely people that I've met here, you know, whether at events or in seminars and then uh, it just really gets into their interest. A fair number of them like, are more like writers, you know, but then they've shift their focus in their writing to, you know, to cover spirits, to cover yeah. cocktails, um, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so back then, you know, I, I was just coming cause like I liked cocktails, I like spirits and like, great, fantastic. This sounds, this sounds absolutely amazing. And I've, like I said, I've always wanted to get to New Orleans then and I hadn't yet. So, um, came down, went to my, went to my first tales 
and then my second tales, and then I started working in the industry, yeah. and then, you know, just went from there. Cool. Awesome. So uh, New Orleans, and 11 years ago, that's 2006, so we're talking like very close, post-Katrina New yes. Orleans. So what were your experiences with the city? Um, you know, it was, it was, I mean, Katrina was definitely still very fresh, I think, uh, in everyone's, in everyone's psyche. And was yeah. that the first 11 years ago would have been the first after Katrina or maybe the second after Katrina? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the first or second after Katrina. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah, that's 2006. Yeah. That would have been yeah. the first summer after Katrina. Right. Yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, even now, obviously, you can drive around and still see signs of it. Mm-hmm. But back then, I mean, obviously, there, there's still a lot, you know, a lot going on that a lot of reconstruction, a lot of, um, you know, it's and still a lot of salvage efforts. And mm-hmm. like, it, it was, it, it really drove home how resilient New Orleans is, um, which just, I mean, thank God, because I would hate to lose anything as unique as New Orleans. Mm. You know, there's there's nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, th- during that time, it was interesting, too, because uh, this was pre, you know, everyone's going to use the term restaurant bubble, which I disagree with. And I think most people would that were in the process of, of at the end of this point. But they're definitely a couple years after that began this big spur in, in, in people being interested in opening up restaurants and more restaurants opening up. At that time, not so many. I think a lot was more involved with the recovery effort. Um, the nightlife as well too. I think a little more limited. So, what were what was your time spent like uh, outside of Tales of the Cocktail programming? Like, what did you end up doing your first time in New Orleans? Uh, that first time, almost nothing. Really, outside of Tales. Like, I mean, I totally just immersed myself in it. You know. Um, oh wait, no, take that back. <laughs> uh, the one the one thing I definitely did was like make my way up to Coops. And then, okay. And then, but. <laughs> So speaking of fried chicken, right? <laughs> fried chicken, rabbit jambalaya. Right? Yeah. For all of the for all of the the things that people say about coops, and most of them sound t- totally plausible. Their fried chicken is delicious. Yeah, it so, is super it solid. Is absolutely delicious. Yeah, I mean, especially when uh, the Fiorellas across the street uh, pretty much got sold out too. I mean, like because Fiorellas was the chicken place like right there, but then like you know that stopped being a thing. I, I, I'm a fried chicken guy. <laughs> I know I know where to find it. Right? Everyone should be, you know, yeah. and and things like. And one of the beauties of of, of New Orleans is fr- fried chicken here is. I mean, it's so different from you know from like say Louisville or Nashville or, mm-hmm. or really you know anywhere else that um, it's 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 its own type of fried chicken here, and I and I really love that. And also, there's, I mean. Let's be honest. Like, if I have to be totally objective, the fried chicken at Brothers is good, but it's not life changing. But at four in the morning, it's life changing, life saving. I believe. Yeah, that's true. It's life saving. Yeah, like you wake up the next day and I'm like, oh my god, I don't have a hangover. How's that possible? Mm -hmm. And like you wake up and like there's half an eaten drumstick in your hand. You're like, right. Yeah, and also you're still drunk, right? <laughs> you're still drunk. <laughs> the hangover hits you at three o'clock. And you're like, is this food poisoning? Food poisoning. <laughs> but, but also the fried meat pie. Oh yeah, oh. I love oh, fried meat oh, pies. pies. Cool. So um, years later, uh, on your journey through becoming somebody who um, who had been to New Orleans multiple occasions, when was the first time you took a trip to New Orleans that wasn't Tales of the Cocktail? Um, that would have probably been. 2010, right around there. Cool. And uh, what brought you down then? At this point, you've got friends down here, I imagine. Right. That, that was just that was basically it. I was I was on my way elsewhere, and I've and I was like looking at my flights, and like I could spend you know 36 hours in Atlanta, or I could spend 36 hours in New Orleans. So I go, okay, I'm going to go to New Orleans. <laughs> nice. You know. Um, and so that that worked out really nicely. Where was I going? I was going to Miami. Probably, okay. that probably seems like Miami. There is a, on the I way. saw Mike Birbiglia a, a couple of years ago, and he said it was his first time in New Orleans. He felt bad about it, but it's not on your way anywhere no. unless you're in Denver and you're flying to Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to make wow. a stopover. It's like you know what? I'm going to stay an extra day in New Orleans on my way to Haiti. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like okay. I mean, flew into Atlanta. Could I have either gone from Atlanta to? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's Miami. Yeah. Or 
you know, I could hop down here and then there is actually a flight from here to Miami or Fort Lauderdale or whatever. Right on. So uh, that would be about five, uh, four, four or five years after your first time in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You've made multiple trips down here. You've gotten to know people. Probably they've taken you places. You've learned about new places. Absolutely. Let's say, look at the, looking at 2010 Rocky, what was your checklist of things you had to do on that trip? What did I have to do that trip? I, I didn't actually have to do anything. <laughs> that, that was the best part of it. Like, I got here and, you know, met up, met up with some friends and near as I can tell. Uh, <laughs> this was almost a decade ago. Right, so. <laughs> exactly. And, and it was kind of blurry because I'm, because I think Chris Hanna was involved. Mm. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Friend of the show. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that was blurry. And, but I just remember having a great time. Oh, and, you know, and KPB. Yeah. Um, and then barely making it back to the airport. Okay. Uh, just in time to kind of sober up and just enough to get on the plane. Right on. How much time were you in town that, that time? It was one night. Oh, it was one night. It was okay. one night. I thought this was like a weekend or something. No, like no, that. no, like, no. Oh, no. Man, Chris Hanna really did a number on you over a couple <laughs> yeah. of days. Right no. On. No. Well, the other thing, too, is that if Chris Hanna does a number on you, you know, he does a number on himself, too. Yeah, he is. He's harder on himself than he is on anyone else. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. he protests the entire time. Like, it's kind of like he's not going to do it. But like, <laughs> like, I don't know, you guys. Know, as, as, he's, as he's, you know, pouring the shots. Yeah. He, and you're like, you're hanging out, like, barrel proof. And he's like, he's like, man, you know, if I was a younger man bird i would go to uh i would go to the scene after this and like like it's a hypothetical like, right. like flash like, forward i would i would go to the scene and just like yeah you guys go and have a good time and all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's like you know calling the uber to take all you guys to the saint exactly. or he's on his bike <laughs> yeah he's or exactly he's on his bike and like he's called the uber and he's on his bike mm-hmm. and he's like so i'll see you there and you're like cool. uh okay, okay. <laughs> right on so uh, what I find to be really interesting, Rocky, and I think you're a great um, – you, you've become an outside ambassador for New Orleans at this point. Like when, when somebody posts about they're coming to New Orleans, they don't know what to do, you can usually see on social media that you'll chime in and be like, you have to go here, you have to go here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that comes along with the experience and I think you know, a love for the city. Absolutely. Uh, so we're looking at 2010 where it's like you went on the Chris Hanna ride for one right. night. And now I think that there's a possibility that some people go on the Rocky Yay night if they're hanging out with you at Tails or like you know, if they happen to ride. <laughs> that, that, yes, that has happened, um, and especially since like I like to come in early and stay a little bit late for tales. Uh, there's so first of all, flying out on that Sunday after tales is pretty much the worst idea ever. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I mean, so many people miss their flights, and somehow there's always just really terrible weather that day. I think you also get drunk off the fumes, just the alcohol yes. just leaving <laughs> people's bodies. If you lit a match on that plane, it blow up. Oh in yeah, there. you know. And I mean, I did that, I think I did that like a couple times and I finally learned my lesson after one year I was, you know, I was stuck at the airport for like eight hours, but I had gone to Cochon Butcher mm. and bought just an absolute grip load of, of sandwiches. And, you know, so we're at the airport, everything's closed, but in my luggage, I have like 20 odd sandwiches from Cochon Butcher. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, screw this. I'm hungry. I'm going to pull one out. And I start, I start eating. And everyone around me is like, oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I have more sandwiches, uh, but cash only, please. <laughs> oh, goodness. And, so you have become a New Orleanian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, so, you know, I actually, I, I might have paid for my trip. <laughs> that, that evening. <laughs> right on. So, um, okay. So, if somebody runs into you now in New Orleans, Rocky, where, where are you taking them? Or like, it's like, what, what, what is your plan for a night in New Orleans? It, it depends. Like, so say it's college football season. Sure. Right. Um, I'm probably going to go to Cooter Browns. Cool. All right. Um, I mean, we, you know, before we got started, we were talking about things they can't mess with, and they can't mess with the hand pie and the gravy. Right. Like. If if you met, if you mess with gravy, that's that's just that's sacrilege. <laughs> For all of those who don't know, we always say this a lot. Just a preface to all of our out of town listeners or the ones who have not made it to places like Cooter Browns as well. Uh, sports bars aren't really a thing in New Orleans. There's very few of them. There's well, there's a few downtown mm-hmm. by the Superdome and that, that do very well, new. And, yeah. but they they are they're they're a bit. Uh, 
you know, neon and, yeah, and right. clean. And yeah, they're things. all kind of like an ESPN zone when ESPN yeah, zones were a thing. Not that's mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Those are fun spaces a lot of the time. Right. But um, Gouda Browns feels like a real bar that just happens to have enough TVs where you can watch any game right. that's going on. And, 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 and or and a screen, airport. and then there's a raw bar. and mm-hmm. yeah, Little and, radios and, you put on the table. Mm-hmm. Just it's one of those things, like, I, when I was moved here, I'm, a, I'm from D.C., so I root for the Redskins to much embarrassment. Um, <laughs> for multiple reasons. Yeah. Oh, oh, so many reasons. Anyway, <laughs> a separate episode about that. Um, but I could, I would know that whatever happened, I could go and that Redskins game would be on. And and my roommate was really he was from West Virginia. He was a huge West Virginia fan. Uh, my other roommate was from NC State. So like basketball season, NC State always at Cooter Browns. And of college football days. Always a Cooter Browns for the Virginia game, yeah. West Virginia games. It it's was, it's a good place too. Like, there's a lot of bars out there. A lot of neighborhood bars will be, uh, you know, they'll fly a flag and they'll be, you know, like, for mm-hmm. example, Mid City Yacht Club. That's an Ohio State bar. There's a couple of alumni who do that, and that's fun. I'm an Ohio State fan, so I'll, I'll go there every now and then. But there's something about being able to have a civil <laughs> discord with people in a sports bar where people are watching the same game or different games. And you know, you it's a neutral trash. environment. Yeah. Yes. And like Cooter Browns is cool too because nobody's going to like get on you for being a fan of someplace. Because right. everybody's just like, ha ha, I hate your team. Like, ha ha, I hate your team as well. It's just, it's it's what a sports bar needs to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. And also, it's got a giant beer selection. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Two walls of beer. Yeah. It was, to put it, also, it was the only place I could go during Saints games and know that there would be other people in Redskins gear. Mm. That that was... Uh, a, a harbor in the storm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, right. there's going to be a half a dozen people here who don't hate me right now. <laughs> That's... <laughs> So, I mean, yes, I've been down a few times for, you know, for like Seahawks Saints games. Mm-hmm. And um, you always beat us. And it's very frustrating. Yeah. Except for that last one. That, that was just ugly. Woo! <laughs> we got one. Who <laughs> that, Rocky? Who that? Also, yeah. the Redskins. You knocked us out of the playoffs. Like the last five times we went to the playoffs. The I'm, I'm also pretty sure we're actually why RG3 doesn't have a career. Uh-huh. No, no. That's that's uh, Mike Shanahan. <laughs> oh. Ouch. All right, so you can't blame uh, yourself. Nobody. The wheels were already coming off. <laughs> this this podcast has turned into a discussion why we don't like the Redskins. <laughs> I love the Redskins. They're constantly on national television, not because they win games, but I, if they're on, they're a circus team, yeah. right? So they're yeah. always getting media attention, which is great for a fan who doesn't live in the metropolitan area. I always get to follow my team on TV. Nice. All right, so we're at Cuda Browns on college yep. football Saturday, and, yep. uh, and then you know we're from there. Get a, get a bunch of fried food and. And whatnot, and then from there, um, probably, you know, there, there's a there's a good chance at that point. Uh, after Cooter Browns, you know, I'll head over towards. Um, oh damn it! Cooter uh, Browns geographically is very very far uptown, so it's it like is. the end of the city in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. It's a, I mean, that's the end of the line for the streetcar, right? It's, uh, no, it's well, just it when it st- turns back on itself yeah. essentially okay. after that. It, right. It's kind of the point where you jump out because, like, um, well, Oak Street's probably the very last stop, but, like, it's a thing I think a lot of uh, out-of-towners will be on the streetcar, and they'll be like, well, okay, we'll just ride it for the less, and then realize there's only, like, five or six blocks of residential housing, and they're like, oh, should have gotten off back there. Yeah. 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 Um, actually, after that, probably the Avenue. Avenue Pub? Yep. Oh, man, Avenue Pub's so great. You know, uh, Avenue Pub, and then... You know, depending on if I want to go into the quarter or not, mm-hmm. um, or or up to Frenchman, depending. Yeah. Actually, honestly, if it's not tails, I'm probably going up to Frenchman. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So that that's um that's an interesting point as well too. Like having so much experience in the city as a as a visitor to the city as well. Uh, the French Quarter, indispensable or dispensable? Is it something you have to Ooh. do or something oh. you don't have to do? False this dichotomy is, alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot uh, to, to preface this, uh, being a bartender for so many years, you hear this from people who've come here before. It's like, you know what? I don't even spend any time in the French Quarter. I've been here before, so I don't need that anymore. Yeah, I call, I I call bullshit. That. Yeah, I, I call well, bullshit I mean, on that, well, too. Steve, you should also know, is a bartender who works in a bar in Mid-City and also a bar in the French Quarter. So yeah. striking a balance yeah, there we seems go. to be in his interest if no one else. Go to, I just send people to both my bars. I act like I, if they're at Latitude, I'll tell them to come to, to this great bar called 12 Mile. And I just pop up <laughs> behind the bar. I'm like, ha ha! Gotcha! <laughs> Double tip! <laughs> uh. um, no, I mean... <laughs> yeah, you should never tell someone to visit you at another bar that there's, you work at. There's, there's so much Ugh. great stuff in the quarter that you know, mm-hmm. and and I think there's a lot of establishments there that probably can't exist anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, no, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I to 
go off a little bit tangentially on that point as well. So in the process of, uh, I, I was um, the first general manager and head bartender at Latitude 29, um, Beach Bum Barry's Latitude 29, the full name of it. <laughs> and while working with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bum, you know, we were looking for a place. Mainly they were looking for a place, and they would call me and say, what do you think of this place? And while we were looking for a location for the bar, like that's when like real estate was at a big peak, especially commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, either people were building new stuff, or like when places would open up, there was a lot of interest from the few restaurant groups that we have in town. So like you would always get this preface that XX is looking at this spot. And so that would add an extra like $5 per square foot pretty much on the spot. Yeah, no thanks. So we had the, and we always said we didn't want to be in the French Quarter. We said we, uh, we want to be like someplace like outside of the French Quarter. We want to do something a little bit different. And then when this location opened up in the French Quarter, like all that false pretense kind of fell away because we realized. <laughs> this is our like, chance. <laughs> you, I mean, you are on the edge. People stay in the French Quarter. I mean, like if you need like a, a, a hub of people to come mm-hmm. by, like a constant group of like out of towners and first time visitors or just something centrally located. Legitimately, the CBD and the French Quarter are centrally right. located. And it's in a great hotel. I, it's, in a, it's, it's in a hotel that's being remodeled at the moment, that, That's too. true. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how good it is afterwards. It's probably better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've stayed there many, many times. They know you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, well, you know, it's, it's what happens when you ship in like 96 packages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Latitude 29 because it's secretly a pool bar. Yes. yes, they can't advertise it because you're not supposed to use it if you're not a guest of the hotel. Right. Yeah. But if I've never heard of anyone and, getting in trouble, and they've no. never actually closed that pool. No, it's still open right now. Yeah, uh, nobody's supposed to go inside of it. But, <laughs> that yeah. was always the case. Yeah, you, know, you never like tell people. Uh, it's like you say, "Don't go in that pool," and it's just like they're going in the pool. It's like, what do you tell them? It's like, please get well, out of the pool. I right. Mean, just, just don't say anything one way. Or right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, that's not for you to enforce. Some it's some, some of some right. of the best nights just at tales. Have been like on the Saturday night after everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you get back from bartender's breakfast or you get out of bartender's breakfast early. Yeah. You know, uh, thank God if you can. Um, <laughs> if the power doesn't go out and, right. like, you know, that you can't get an Uber. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's floating around in that pool because it's also a very nice. One of the reasons I love that pool is that it actually is refreshing. Yeah. It's not like e- almost every other pool. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The, mostly margarita. Like, yeah, and and h- higher than room temperature. Mostly yeah. urine. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Slightly used margarita. Right. Or like, or like certain rooftop pools that become like bartender soup. Yeah, bartender yeah. soup. It's <laughs> okay. We're making the bartender population. We're increasing our own immune capacity. It's something point. like that. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I'm just going to put a positive spin on that. Yeah. But, th- but that one, you know, it's like, like you know. Three in the morning, uh, a bottle of sherry and a and a case of Coors Light. Nice and life is good. Nice, it's cool. a date. date. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So, um, Rocky, I've had the pleasure of having excellent meals with you in Kentucky, in Las Vegas, also here in New Orleans. Uh, I actually the term epic meal. <laughs> uh, I associate those two words in that order with Rocky. Because um, I, I just, I mean, you, following your Instagram or uh, following your Instagram and Facebook posts for like, you just know good food and you know how to like, you know, enjoy it and you you know the spots. Like when we went to Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, well, when when I met you in Vegas, I was I was there for the Bombay Sapphire. Most uh, I think it was it's imaginative now. I think it was something else back then. But I was like, man, I kind of want to get off the strip. And you're like, cool, let's go. Let's let's get in my car. Let's get off the strip. And we went to like a tiny ramen joint. That was awesome. It was really really good. Anywho. Point of, that, <laughs> point of that being that was a good bowl around. yeah new new orleans uh let's think about epic meals here uh-huh let's talk about epic meals in new orleans sir okay wow there've there's been quite a few yeah i know it's a uh, great, great city to eat it. it yes it is and and that's the most recent epic meal because most sure sure uh most, one that one that sticks out in your mind most recent epic meal let me uh well voice done a f- a few and by a few, I mean a lot at at Canaan table. Okay. Um, man, those ribs. Those ribs are so good. Yeah. Good. It, it really is about the ribs. <laughs> it's about the ribs. There's a, there's a bunch of other things. I feel they're garnishes for the ribs at Canaan table. It's like, oh, peas and rice, great. More yeah. ribs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Saint Rock Market. Just because you get to go there and like, I have so many choices. Yes. Mm. Well, just what? Yes, one okay. of everything, right? Um. And it, it's really bad because, like, 
last time I went there, I went, went there with Max Messier. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a feedback loop. <laughs> so you guys just dare each other order more food? Like, Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm going to get up from the, go to the bathroom real quick. He comes back with right. like five plates. It's like, oh, I found, right. some, I found some dumplings. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Or, you know, or if I'm, or if I'm eating with Don Lee, yeah. also a feedback loop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one. Oh, like t- <laughs> there was there was a um, slight digression. There was we were at Tills on tour in Vancouver mm-hmm. several years ago, and we went out for dim sum oh, and dim sum story. I love dim sum stories. And we we looked at the menu like so. We'll take the whole thing twice. <laughs> and a la carte dim sum, a la carte dim sum. Okay, uh, which is actually much more pre- prevalent than the actual carts. Is it weird that a la carte dim sum doesn't have a cart? It, I'm just yes, <laughs> yes, you, you, definitely. Homophones. <laughs> and they, so, you know, everything came out once. And then we sat around. And uh, at that point, like, John Derrigan's like, I think they forgot the rest. Mm. And so we're like, okay, come on. You know, it's been like half hour since the last dish. Mm-hmm. Like, where, where's the rest of our food? And they're like, Oh, we thought you were kidding about the second time around. <laughs> no. Like, no, 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 no. Oh goodness. <laughs> they're, they're just like, yes, we we still want it. You know. Yeah. God, I remember this one time you took me. It was, it was uh, I was capping, or I was on the juice team, mm-hmm. and you were just like, "Oh, it was it was before like." The CAP program's been, and you've been involved with the CAP program, for everybody who um, mm-hmm. isn't familiar, the uh, Cocktail Apprentice Program, um, they're the volunteers from all over the country and the world who come in and they help execute the drinks and a lot of the programming for Tales of the Cocktail. And Rocky's been involved for a long time. I've been involved for, I, ha- I was involved for a couple of years. No longer I'm involved at the moment. Um, but at some point when the program started getting bigger, there was a point where Tales grew in big spurts. Yes. And this one time, like, Food was kind of an uncertainty for the caps. Like, there would be food available, but it was so busy, there were sometimes that you weren't able to eat. And I remember there was this one particular stretch where, like, people just weren't getting food. And right. at some point, Rocky, you just grabbed a bunch of people and says, I'm feeding all of you right now. And we went to Morpah Foods. Yes. And we oh, ate. Oh, man, I love Morpah. We ate Morpah Foods out of. Almost and everything. We, uh, pretty much everything. We went to the end of the night, and like, we were like, oh, we want more. And like the, the bartender had to keep going back. He's like, no, they don't have any more. They don't have any more. It's like, send out whatever you have. But that's, uh, that is my memory of a great epic meal with you, Ryan. Uh, R.I.P. Morapot Foods, man. R.I.P. Morapot. Uh, that, was, that was a great place. It was good food, good location. And it really was you know, how we've talked about uh, Cure on the show, one of those places that was a little bit groundbreaking. Morapot was... Uh, groundbreaking in the way that, like, we can have a restaurant here. Well, maybe not in the long run, but <laughs> we can serve this kind of food. Well, I'll, I'll, there's I'll, demand for, like, th- this kind of a restaurant. And they're also the first generation. I mean, we've talked about how the real estate market has affected that neighborhood because a lot right. of a, a lot of that's Airbnb now in a way that has been very damaging. And yeah. that there's for a lot of the restaurants and bars that used to focus on a local audience mm-hmm, because right. there's houses that are just mostly, they're either vacant or they're people who are mostly spending their time and money in the Marinian French Quarter. Um, and it, um, but there's also the phenomenon of any first wave of renovations, the, the overhead is going to be so much higher than the next generation because they've done all the hard work of making an old, this old shack into a livable space. They die off. Mm -hmm. And then the person, the savvy investor who doesn't want to, has a lower, but smaller budget, but they can move into a space that's pre-renovated right. and not have to put in all that overhead up front and then pay, you know, then everything else trickles out of that. I so there, I think we're seeing the end of that first wave yeah. in, in that area. But I don't think that area is, you know, dead in the water by any means. And right. also they just started regulating the Airbnb marketplace a little more strictly. So we'll see if that actually tr- makes yeah, any difference in the French in the quarter, run. But hopefully that definitely starts extending out to the other neighborhoods. Yeah, they've only started enforcing it in the French quarter. Yeah. One of those is like, God damn, French quarter gets all this. Perks. Right, right. <laughs> cool. Vegas well, have know, Latitude I mean, 29. I mean, it's yeah, got... Right? I mean, no it's, Airbnbs. <laughs> it's got the density, too. Yeah. You know. Um, it's, yeah, it's the, it's, yeah, it's very dense, and it's very it's important. It's an important place that people... I and mean, people look at it as like a Disneyland sometimes, mm-hmm. or some sort of Bacchanalia, but it's a real functioning historic right. neighborhood in a very important oh, way. Oh, Bacchanalia. So Bacchanal. That's <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of homophones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, no, that's a that's, cognate. It's different. Yeah. You're a cognate. <laughs> that, that's always a great epic meal because you're like, you know, you, I mean, when you have to pick all your wine ahead of time, mm. you're, you're worried about running out. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we went last night, you know, as as per normal. I think 
it's pr- pretty much become ritual for the first night we get in um, before tails and yeah. and so you know bucket of sherry bucket of rosé and go nuts and yeah Bacchanal is one of those places that got hit hard when they changed uh, the noise regulations or started enforcing them more strictly because they were one of those they historically played music they never had any licensing for it they had to stop for a long time oh, and yeah. get you know, specifically the outdoor I don't know I, you know yeah. they either got license or they got grandfathered in. I don't probably, but it's easier to get yeah. a license if you can prove that you've been doing it for long enough. Yeah, and they've right. basically been doing their entire existence. They're not, they're not like a historic the, the music business, is definitely quieter than it used to be. It, it might be unamplified now. So yeah. I think they have to do unamplified music, which is still fine. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, play some bluegrass. It's, it's, it's great. charming out there one way or another. Yeah, that's, um, it's interesting. The, uh, the owner of Bacchanal passed away like two years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's like one of the one things it's like, so that's a conversation that's like we've had before on the show as well too like with um when people complain about like frenchman streets become the new bourbon street people will say mm-hmm. that a lot it's like now i hang out on, on saint claude like there's kind of this like factor of coolness that goes with a place like bacchanal like somebody discovered it and this was my place but now like the last couple of times i've been to bacchanal there was a line and we had to wait which i don't mind i'm a patient person right but it's it's not the free-for-all, I think, that it used to be, which was not like... Free-for-all is probably a bad way to put it, but it's definitely more popular than it was. Yes. More people are aware that it's there. More people are able to travel, especially with, like, Uber and ride-sharing. Being right. That's definitely made it easier just to, like... Like, you know, before you might have looked at it on a map and gone, ooh, that's the ways out. And... But that's that's definitely made it easier to get out there. And, mm-hmm. and so... Which, again, is kind of that whole thing, you know, getting back to, like, okay, night out... It's Uber here is really cheap. Super cheap. It's really everything's cheap. really close together. It's a really yeah. small city. Like, Cheaper than having a car. Yeah, and so you know, even if I like go out to like Frenchman and hang out, I'm like, that's fine. I can go back to the Lower Garden District, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, don't care. That's still only, I think it was like eight dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, which is funny too. Um, the uh, there's a phenomena here in New Orleans where people complain about how far away things are. Um, and most people who complain are from other places. Like, you'll have somebody from Houston. They'll be like, I live uptown, and there's no way I could possibly go to the West Bank. That is way too far away. It's three miles. It really is. Like, <laughs> right. And, and also... <laughs> Ten-minute drive. <laughs> you know, especially sounds weird, you know, for someone, like, coming from L.A. or Houston when you're like... <laughs> Everything's far away there. Yeah, exactly. I was just out in LA for like for probably the longest time I've ever spent in LA was this past couple of weeks ago. But I was staying in Laguna Beach, and I was at first I was like, yeah, I'll just Uber down from the airport. We don't need to pick up a rental car until we drive up the coast. And I was like, no, it's an hour south. <laughs> I just thought as far as like a suburb. Oh my god, that was like uh, when I was in Nashville. My brother got married, and uh, we had the rehearsal dinner, and then we were going out for like a small bachelor party before the wedding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we ate and we were all kind of dressed up for that. And I was like, okay, now we're going to go play laser tag. And it was like hour long ride to late that hour. It was probably like 40 minute ride to like laser tag. It's like, okay, now we're going to go like to the bar. And then it's like 30 minute ride to the bars. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, what the hell are we doing? Right. right. Now? Like, <laughs> oh crazy. yeah. No, it's, everything is nice and close together. And one, one thing I really love about New Orleans in terms of hanging out late at night is, Yes, there's like, you know, 4 a.m. bars and 24-hour bars and things like that. But n- unlike cities like New York, where, say, you go to a 4 a.m. bar holiday. Um, <laughs> you know, Name drop. <laughs> uh, there's no sense of fran- – it's not frantic. Yeah. You know, there's no freneticism. There's no like it, – it's, it's not like this crazy – like free for all and like it's it almost some, sometimes like when when you're in other cities you you feel like okay I've got to pack in all these drinks and mm-hmm. I've got to do all this stuff and whereas he, whereas in New Orleans like I'll go to, it's 4 a.m. let's go to Igor's yeah right and and there's no and you get there and it's chill and it's like I'm gonna have my shot and have my beer mm-hmm. and also dirt cheap yeah and. But the problem is, it does, and I, I fir- I'm firmly a believer that in no closing time. Having lived in New Orleans, having lived in other places, this is the way that it should be. This is the natural. Twelve mile. Let me close at two o'clock. Every we day. close at th- <laughs> two o'clock if the bartender feels like closing at two. We have to stay open t- until at least two. Yes. That's the rule. <laughs> I can stay open as late as you want. 
Or as the bartender wants. After two, any time, last call is appropriate. Because you might want to go home and go to bed, too. I like sleep. Yeah. <laughs> sleep is nice. Um, <laughs> but I firmly believe that bars should be allowed to set that for themselves. As long as it's okay with the neighborhood that they're in. I think a, mm-hmm. a local neighborhood organization should have some say over that kind of thing. But yeah. um, just as a, as a municipal policy, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. And it's also incumbent on you as as a customer. Like, you know, just be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. It was always it's, scary in Chicago. That was really my first um, experiences with like like really hard last calls. Like we used to drink at this one bar where uh, when it hit last call, they turned the lights on and your last call was finish your drink before the bouncer comes over because he's got a trash can. He's just throwing your drinks away. It was super right. aggressive. Like, give that to me. Get the fuck out. It's like, uh, <laughs> like what's happening here? Um, but... It was scary because people would get off of work, and this was a it was a three. I mean, it had one of those half licenses in Chicago, so we'd have people who were getting off of work at like one or two. Mm-hmm. Some people would just show up when there was like maybe thirty minutes in of drinking time, and they have any alcohol at home, and they live out in the burbs, maybe. So they're like, okay, give me like four shots right now, and give me like three beers, and they're just pounding it. And then they're hopping in their car and driving, like, you know, to their right. house. Right, hoping to get home before it, yeah. before it kicks, kicks in. in. Yeah. Oh. It's oh. like, you're, you're, on the, you're, you're on the Kennedy, and you're just like, oh, uh-huh. that's a hit, neighbor. There are times where I feel like they like the laws. Like, I used to work at Loa, and they closed at 2, and we'd take an hour to close the bar, and this was back when I drank a lot, so I was drinking all the time. Whether I was working, and then the hour after while we closed, it was drinking during then, and then we would go out for drinks after work to Chuck's specifically, twenty four hour bar that geographically is basically halfway between August and Loa. So it was all like fancy kitchen people and fancy bar people would go after work and get loaded. The and largest <laughs> shots ever. The no, largest yeah, cheapest shots. Like five, six ounce shots of chartreuse for like five bucks. It was insane. It was oh, a terrible wow. place to go for a number of reasons, but yeah. it, was, it smelled like like strong cleaning supplies all the time <laughs> and cigarettes at least. So, then. but it was that's my that was my go to bad decision bar oh, then. Yeah, and I, but it's the place where I mostly walked out of or walked out of more often than any other. Where I had an, one of those, like, you walk out, and it's bright, and there's people, it's downtown, so people are getting t- out of taxis, and they're going to work and jogging, and it's like, what am I doing with my life? I shouldn't be allowed to do this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but generally, I could have been doing that at 8 p.m. also. It's like, drinking and ruining my life is not the fault of the hour, necessarily. No. It was just looking at it in And, contrast. you know, and things like that, like, um, there used to be a bar at the airport at Phoenix, and there's really no reason ever to fly through Phoenix. <laughs> it's a lot of the way. It's, it's, it's a terrible... It's not a good airport. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, all of our uh, listeners who live in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. We're so sorry. But, but you did... I, someone's list of world's worst airports, I know that they're yeah. on there. But um, you can't fly it now. Apparently, they've got a heat wave that's right. like grounding planes because the air is too thin. Because it's... Yeah. So, it's, our molecules yeah. are so far apart. It's so hot. It hit like 118 <laughs> there the other day, and they had to start grounding flights. Well, good thing global warming's not real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that'd be rough for places in the desert. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But the, so there's this, but there was this bar there where as long as you bought any beer at full price, you could have, you could have a shot of anything in the rail for two bucks. Mm-hmm. And for some stupid reason, I mean, stupid genius, I'm not sure which one it is. But someone working there had put a float of VEP on one of their cocktails. And so there was, there was a bottle of VEP, Chartreuse VEP, in the rail. Okay. In the rail. <laughs> in the rail. And I'm like, does that include that bottle? And they're like, it's in the rail. I'm like, cool. I'll take five beers. You can keep four of them. Or give them away. And, and I'll take five VEPs. Holy shit. <laughs> and, and I was just like. So this is your worst airport ever? This sounds pretty solid. No, it, it, it's what makes it bearable. <laughs> it's just, just above, above the line. So yeah. Half a liter of VEP. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're getting a little bit long in the tooth here on Around with Stephen Cole. There is one thing um, that I would like to talk about real quick that I think when people think of, of Rocky, um, they immediately think of this. And I, I, I was thinking earlier today, I don't know how this started, but so... The shirtless Rocky thing. Ah, <laughs> I mean, and most people know Rocky. It's like uh, they think, oh, it's like, oh, it's Rocky. Oh, why is his shirt on? He's got to take his shirt off. And this sounds like a weird thing to people who don't know Rocky, but to me, it's just like it's normal, and for a lot of people, it's normal. I, does it predate tail? Not tail. Does it predate camp? Because I feel like casual it, nudity is it, a camp. It, it does predate hallmark. camp. Okay. Um, and and does it, it predate tails? It does not predate tails. Okay. Um, did it start at tails? I think it did start at tails, and you know, mostly it was just, you know. And part of it was like, well, screw it. I'm in the quarter. Everyone's drunk. It's really hot. <laughs> Legit. You know, like, I'm screw it. I'm taking my shirt off. And then I would walk into a place 
and they wouldn't necessarily say anything about you having your shirt off, so you're like, oh, all right, well, I'll just leave it off. And yeah, then, there's not a lot of bars that actually have a clothing policy in right. New Orleans. Uh, you know what? Strangely enough, at the Alibi once, the, <laughs> of all places, the Alibi, the alibi mm. um, not known for exacting standards broadly, <laughs> But one, one night, we were there. Uh, there were about 8 million of us, as, uh-huh. as happens during Tales. And the lady who was managing that night, she came over. She's like, look, you can only have your shirt off for 30 minutes at a time. <laughs> <laughs> did she have like, That's a, very did specific. She have a timer? Or like... <laughs> Something. You know, but she's like, and I feel really bad because like, you look really comfortable and you're having a good time. It's <laughs> like, have a beer on me. And I'm like... What just happened? I'm <laughs> like... Uh, so wow, Bizarro Universe, right? So you're saying that's when you fell in love with New Orleans. <laughs> How long do you have to keep your shirt on? I have so many questions about that policy. <laughs> right. Well, it is a bar that is uh, uh, frequently frequented by a lot of strippers, so maybe True. it's just a standing policy. It's, it's, it's equal but opportunity. Do you, do you like put your shirt on for five minutes, you're good for the next half hour, or does it have to balance back out again? You have to fully no, no, you, recharge you, you, at a one-to-one. You, uh, I, think you can, I think the five minutes is good enough. Okay, huh. so it's just yeah. even a token gesture. A token gesture. Just remind us you have a shirt. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and as much as anything else, like, it just kind of became this thing where it's like, wait, so I've got the shtick where during, during, a, during events <laughs> in this really hot, muggy environment, I'm the most comfortable person in the room. <laughs> yes, I'm going to run with this. <laughs> They're okay with it. They wouldn't be okay with it if I was anybody else, but now it's no, my thing. No, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> That's true, and it, probably. And it, the it, more people would question it if it were anyone else, right, at yeah. least. I think you could get away with it a lot of the time. I, I think that if I was in Tanik and I took my shirt off, Mark would probably pull me inside and be like, Steve, please. People are trying to enjoy it better. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, at Tonic, Mark doesn't just expect me to take my shirt off. He expects me to cut my pants off. Cut your pants off? Yes. I've, that sounds dangerous. I've, I've lost many pairs of pants to, um, to Tonique and a pair of shears and... Uh, um, and they end up on the ceiling fan. Oh, fair yeah. enough. Right on. All right. Well, let's just. Uh, what are your plans for this tales? You got. Uh, um, you got. With, let's bring us up to the present. What are you? What so, are you excited about? So you know, really excited about. Um, we're going to be. Was that, this is actually kind of a little more relaxed tales for for, for me and the rest of the Maison Ferrand team this mm-hmm. this, this year. Um, we're not debuting anything new, so we're not like you know running around going, "Oh my God, we got we have new product. We got to make sure we introduce to everyone." You know, we don't. So that that's nice. Um, as as much as anything else, this one is more of a, "Hey, you know, we're here because this is what we do," and you know, and it's always just such a great great time to reconnect with everyone. Which event that's not yours are you most excited about this Which year? I saw, you were, I saw you hyped up the Jaeger party earlier. Oh my god, the Jaeger, the Jaeger party looks so amazing. I'm curious about that. And I, I don't know, quite know Full how to Full disclosure, I had not rsvp to that party until I saw your Facebook post about it. I was like, maybe I should rsvp to this party. And I, you know, so uh, one, of the, one of the main uh, Jaeger people is a really good friend, Nora Evans. Uh, she's also based in Seattle. And so she's like, you really, really want to RSVP to this. I'm like, I have to go to the Spirited Awards. So are you telling me I'm just going to pre-FOMO? She's like, <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. Oh, yeah, what are you presenting? Um, so I am presenting uh, – so, well, two, th- two things. One is we're up for Best New Product. Awesome. Again, for uh, the pl- plantation OFTD. at OFTD. Uh, and, Which you know, stands for, oh, fuck, that's delicious. And, and it is. <laughs> and I would really – I'm not gonna lie. I would love to go back to back. Like I'm, I'm not even gonna try and be modest or, or anything like. And yes, you know we're we're in great company yeah. with the other nominees. But man, I want to go back to back. Like I, I love being like this little company that that gets to do these things. And well, then you have then you would have to launch a third thing so you could have the dynasty. Oh man, yeah, turkey. You gotta turkey. go for it. Okay, well then maybe three piece. Yes. That's that's <laughs> you know and. And I say we're not debuting anything, but there are times when Alexan just pulls something out, and I'm like, "Look, surprise!" We're like, "Oh, 
<laughs> it's delicious. If okay. you win three pro- three best new products in a row, you should start a brewery and only <laughs> brew beer for like three years and then come back and win three more in a row like Jordan did. Oh, my God. Greatest be- of all time. <laughs> I, did, I wasn't following you at first. I was just like, it's like oh, so you can win an award for the beer? It's like, no, I got it. You're calling beer the minor league of, of alcohol. Got it. <laughs> just, oh, I should have. It's a I got, different I got sport. It. I'm just being an ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, definitely the Jaeger party looks really amazing, and I wish I, I'm I am going to try and boogie out of the awards as quickly as possible, so I can so I can make it down there. You should bring a scooter on stage, and <laughs> uh, scoot off. That'd Bye. be great <laughs> with yeah. the, with no the plate holding the plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, and then I'm also presenting for uh, best new uh, cocktail book and technique. Awesome book, uh, whatever. And that's. That's man, it's it's really awesome to see how in the last few years, you know, just all the books that have become available mm-hmm. and, and like people actually publishing them, and even more than that, people actually reading. Hey, reading's not dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just got a Nintendo Switch. So I totally read a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, good. Right on. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to pretty much wrap it up here with a round with Stephen Cole. As always, we like to end with parting shots here, catch our guests off guard a little bit, or maybe give them the opportunity to plug themselves or what they do a little bit. So let's start with our guest, Mr. Rocky A. Why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself, tell us what you do, and maybe a little nugget of wisdom for people to take away with them. Uh, so, once again, Rocky A. work for Maison Ferron. I'm the uh, Guardian de Chai, and so Pierre Ferron Cognac, Plantation Rum, Citadel Gin, and Mathilde de Coors. Um, Rum is my first love, and probably will always be my first love. Uh, I, I have been told by the guys at the Chateau to sell more cognac because we need more <laughs> barrels to age rum in. So that's uh, so. I guess that's the plug. Like, drink, drink more cognac. Drink more cognac. It's delicious cognac. It is. Uh, I guess I should take the opportunity to mention that I got press credentials this year to Tales because of this podcast in part, but also because of a blog that I write sometimes that I haven't been keeping up with this year because of this podcast in part. Uh, (laughs) Taking a lot of those, what I would, you know. It's, it's, it is. it's way easier to just talk out loud it, it for an hour. Much easier. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm going to be live blogging. Not live blogging. I'm going to update a few times a week the blog because I'm covering Tales this year. So Big Fat Cocktails is the is the name of it. It's uh, Big Fat Cocktails at, at Tumblr. It's Tumblr.tumblr.com, I think. is the, I should look into that. BigFatCocktails.tumblr.com. Right on. Uh, so yeah, keep up with that. Coolio. And um, yeah, uh, I think that um, for I'd known Rocky for years uh, before I went to Camp Run Amok for the first time. And I remember when I was at Camp Run Amok, I had multiple people ask me if I was Rocky Yay. Um, I guess they just said, hey, there's this big Asian guy. His name's Rocky. He's pretty awesome. You should introduce yourself. Um, whatever. The second year of Camp Run Amok came around, and I remember Rocky coming up to me and he looked a little bit annoyed. He said, hey, somebody just asked if I was Steve Yamada. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I will always cherish that moment because I feel that's when I kind of made it in the industry a little bit, when I got, when somebody mistook Rocky A for Steve Yamada. Anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us here on Around with Stephen Cole. I am your co-host, Steve Yamada. I am your other co-host, T. Cole Newton. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. <laughs>